Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam. I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Uh, I trust you and your families are doing well. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. And although you, you know the world is going through a difficult time, we should remember that our Lord Jesus is still upon the throne and that the promises of God are still true. And uh, we don't have all the answers to why this is happening, but the fact is that we live in a fallen world which is run by sinners and there are and bad things happen, you know, because the world is fallen. There is, uh, there are people there, uh, and then there's a devil out there. But um, what Jesus said to us, he didn't say that faith would mean an absence of fear. But what Jesus basically said was this. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not that, that but, but fear not, because I have overcome the world. So he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but do not fear because I have overcome the world. And then he said, he says, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So that is why we have faith. You know, when we are in heaven and in heaven, heaven is a place where there's no trouble, there's no sickness, there's no sorrow, uh, there's no challenges. Can you imagine living in a place uh, in the presence of God where there's no challenges, there's no struggles, there's no fight to fight. Uh, and so, but here's the thing that in a place like that, you don't need faith. And, uh, uh, you know, and uh, faith will not be needed in heaven. So there is no such thing as faith in heaven because faith is not needed. But where faith is needed is here on this earth, in this life, we need faith. And that faith the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the more we yield, our, yield ourselves to the word of God, the greater our faith will be. And when we are armed with faith, you know, faith is one of the, uh, how do you say, one of the um, uh, components of the armor of God. And it's the, the shield of faith with which we can quench all the darts of the evil one. So everything that Satan throws at us, we, we raise up that mighty shield of faith and that shield of faith will quench every single attack of the enemy. Not one of the arrows of Satan will get through, get past that shield of faith. So that's why we should arm ourselves with the, with the shield of faith, be strong in faith, be strong in the word of God. So if you want to overcome this present day situation, uh, this pandemic and all that this pandemic brings into the world, um, I would say this is what you should do. Uh, the, I mean, there's a lot of things to do, but the main thing, arm yourself with faith and be strong in faith because once you are strong in faith, you will overcome the world. You will overcome every evil thing that is in this world. Uh, amen. Praise God. So I would, uh, I would really suggest, uh, uh, I mean, not just suggest, but actually exhort you to, to take a hold of faith. The Bible takes, uh, tells us to get hold of faith and arm yourself with faith. Be strong in faith. Hallelujah. So, and faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So arm yourself with the word of God. Be strong in the word. Let your heart be full of, full of the word and let your mouth be full of the word. Speak the word and you'll be strong and you'll be able to overcome. And then one day, you know, we will look back because this too will pass. A lot of things have happened in the world, bad things, and they have passed. 
And um, uh, I remember when 9-11 took place and I remember the harassment I had to go through at airports. And sometimes it was, uh, uh, it was, it was terrible the way I was treated and, and, you know, just being an innocent person, the way I was treated. But uh, I always said to myself, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And that did pass. And there came a time when I was not being harassed anymore. Then this thing started. So now I say the same thing. This too will pass. But the important thing is that through it all, the Lord has his hand over our lives and that his word is still true. And we are destined to win. We are programmed to overcome because we have the word of God that gives us faith, that makes us able and strong to stand anything to withstand anything. Well, God bless you. But let's go um, to the subject in hand. And we are talking about the call of God. That's the greatest subject. And this is actually lesson five. And, uh, you know, in the first lesson, I give you a bit of a background. And the second, uh, uh, you know, and the, and the subsequent lessons, the, uh, we talked about uh, men of God called in the uh, Old Testament. Those are examples of how God called people and I dealt with Abraham, Isaiah, Joshua, Samson, and Gideon and Moses. So we studied uh, the calling of God on six different men in the Old Testament just to show you the diversity of the kind of people, the diversity and the kind of background from these six, uh, from which these six men came. Their life stories were uh, totally, vastly different from one another. And also the way God called them was also vastly different from one another. So my point was that God doesn't just call one kind of person and then he has a cookie cutter formula. He calls everybody the same way. No, everybody's story is different. Everybody's called in a different way. And that's what I want to, uh, I've been saying about. Now, uh, we, we, the last three lessons we have talked about God calling men in the uh, in the Old Testament, and now we're going to talk about Jesus, how he called people in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. And uh, the first uh, person we're going to study is how Jesus called Peter, how Jesus called Peter. And uh, in Luke chapter 5, 1 to 11, and this is, uh, Jesus was teaching, you know, he was a uh, he, he was a young man, but he taught the word of God with power. When he spoke, conviction settled on people's hearts. So he spoke with great power and conviction. And they used to say, no man has ever spoken like him. So that was one thing. The other thing was that signs and wonders followed his message. People were healed. The blind were healed. The blind saw the lame walk. The deaf heard. Lepers were cleansed. Dead people were raised up. And and then he cast out demons wherever there were demon-possessed people. Demons came out of people. So this got everyone's attention. So a lot of people would come to hear him. So look at this uh, from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And I'm reading to you from the scriptures as I always do. He says, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Gennesaret is actually another name for the Sea of Galilee. So here we see that it wasn't just a small group of people, but it was a large multitude, a huge, a multitude means a very large group of people. I said, 
a large group of people, they pressed about him. They were pushing and shoving to get as close as possible to him as possible as, as they could. And so here were these people pressing in. Why? Because they wanted to hear the word of God. They wanted to hear the words that came out of his mouth. So he, he stood by the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and here's this huge multitude pressing in to hear him. And then it says, then he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. So there were these two fishermen, uh, two fishing boats uh, right by the, you know, by the shore. But there were no fishermen in them because the fishermen had left their boat. They had finished fishing and they were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now, Simon is the man who we know as Peter and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now, this is interesting because these people were pressing him, pressing onto him. And in those days, they didn't have, uh, uh, they didn't have PA systems, you know, like we do today. So how can you be uh, one person preaching to thousands of people and yet make sure that people heard your voice? Well, this is how they did it. Because the, they always chose a place which uh, which uh, uh, deflected and reflected the sound very well. And this spot was actually built pretty much like an amphitheater, a natural amphitheater. And I don't know if you have ever been to an amphitheater. I've seen those ancient amphitheaters they have in, uh, in Greece and in Rome and even in modern day Europe. That's uh, uh, something they built, these amphitheaters. It's like a... It's like a semicircular, uh, semicircular structure, and you have a platform here, and then the the structure goes up in steps, and so people sit all the way, uh, you know, uh, all all the way up facing uh, the you know the place where the speaker is speaking or the singer is performing or the play or the drama is taking place and so you, you have all these people and the voice somehow carries and is reflected and so the voice is amplified that's why it's called an amphitheater because the voice is amplified so even people far away in the back they can hear you so an amphitheater is constructed in such a way that you can speak to a large large crowd um, and they can hear, still hear your voice in the back because the 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 way the uh, the structure is, is 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 constructed, the sound is reflected, and it you know it goes around that way. Uh, I don't know all the signs of it, but I preached in amphitheater, so I know how it works. And uh, in Europe, I must add. And uh, the last time I preached in in an amphitheater was in Asia, where there was a big amphitheater seating thousands of people, and we filled it, and people came. To hear the gospel. So anyway, so that place um, and that place is still there. If you go to Israel, you can still visit the place. It is like a natural amphitheater with the hills, you know, the the, the terrain there. So what Jesus did, he 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 saw these two boats and he knew that if he stood there, tried to talk to people, maybe the first ten rows would hear him. But there were thousands of people. So he said to Simon, one of the fishermen, he said, Simon, can I? borrow your boat and Simon says yes so he got on the boat and he asked Simon to go a little bit away from the land to a spot so where his voice would carry because uh, voice uh, voice also carries 
sound also carries very well over the water. So it would go over the water and up like it would be a natural amphitheater and everybody could hear it. And so, um, so he got into one of the boats, uh, which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little bit from the land. Then he sat down and taught the multitudes on the boat. Now, when he had stopped speaking, he wanted to, he wanted to pay, he wanted to bless Peter uh, for letting, uh, you know, Simon Peter uh, use his boat. So he wanted to bless him. Uh, uh, and, and, and this is a, also a principle, the blessing principle. When someone does something for you, you should always bless them. That is why, uh, you know, we tip waiters, we tip people who serve us. Even though they receive a wage, they receive a salary, we bless them as generously we can. That's a blessing principle. Uh, so anyone who does anything for you, look for an opportunity to do something for them and to bless them. That is the, that is the, I call it the blessing principle. And we as Christians should live by that blessing principle. So it says that, uh, yeah, he said, okay, he said, okay, Simon, thank you for letting me use uh, your boat to preach. He said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. He said, listen, Simon, go out a little bit into the deep water and then you, 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 you launch out your nets, put the nets down. Uh, and, uh, and, and I want you to notice, Jesus told Simon, to use his nets in the plural. In fact, he said to Simon, Simon, put all your nets down. That's what he meant. Put your nets down. All your nets, just put them in the water. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. So Simon didn't really, you know, believe him because his response was, uh, oh, master, you know, you are a preacher. I'm a fisherman. You, you don't understand fishing. You're good at what you do, but I am the one who knows fishing. But he says that I have worked all night with my guys and we have not caught anything. There's no fish here. We have not caught anything, but at your word, because you say so, I will let down the net. Now, this is interesting. Jesus asked Simon to put down his nets, all his nets, because he intended to fill the nets. But Simon just put down one net and he did that just to humor Jesus, just to say, and, but before he said that, he put this disclaimer out. He said, you know, Lord, you are a, you are a master. You are a preacher. I'm the fisherman and I should know more about fishing than you do. I have put my, I've fished all night and caught nothing, but okay, because you say, so I'll put out one net. So he put out the net. And when they had done this in verse 6, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. There's so many fish came in the net that the net began to break. Then so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. So they, they told the guys in the other boat, hey guys, bring your boat, uh, my nets are breaking. And so they came to help them and they filled both these boats with fish so much so that the, it overloaded the boat's capacity 
to hold to you know to carry things and both the boats they i mean they went right down you know and it it looks like they were going to sink because they were uh, laying low in the water as they say and so uh, then and there was such a blessing and you know that when here's the amazing thing when jesus tells you to do something you do it and when you do it in obedience obedience always brings such a blessing that you cannot even even um, contain it and and Jesus told him to put all his nets out because that's how much he would bless him but Simon just put one net out and that one net was about to sink the boat so uh, God wants to bless you in a way that you can't even contain uh, and and he wants to do it big but that comes as a result of obedience so anyway so he says and they came and filled both the boats so both the boats so the boats were overloaded with fish so they began to sink when simon peter saw it he fell down at jesus's knees saying depart from me for i am a sinful man o lord he 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 fell on his knees before jesus because simon you know simon was this when you read the story of peter simon peter you see he was this gruff guy he was this really gruff guy he spoke faster than his mind was working and you know he could get angry but he was an incredibly tender-hearted man and i believe that's why god could use him and so here's this tender-hearted man and and he fell at the feet of Je- at jesus's feet his knees it says and he says lord just leave me for i'm a sinful man in other words lord i don't even deserve to be in your presence just just go away from me because i am a sinful man because simon saw his own sinful state when he stood before jesus and he said lord i am a sinful man just leave me because for he in verse 9 and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish with their taken because everybody was i mean they had never seen anything like it they were astonished at this huge catch of fish they had taken and so were also james and john uh, actually um, uh, simon's brother andrew was also there and uh, this is because in another one of the gospel another one of the gospel it actually mentions andrew but for some reason luke does not mention andrew so uh, these four these I, that's how jesus called for these first four disciples it says uh, and so verse 10 and so also were James and John the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon and Jesus said to Simon do not be afraid from now on you will catch men so in another in the gospel of John he says um, follow me and i will make you fishers of men and so verse 11 says so when they had bought their boats to land they forsook all and followed him so when they had brought their boats to uh, to the shore they left everything they left their boats and they followed jesus so uh, it was uh, 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 james and john who were the who were brothers the sons of zebedee and simon peter and his mother uh, sorry his younger brother andrew so it was Peter Andrew James and John they were all partners together working together in this fishing business and they all saw this great harvest of fish and they heard Jesus you know after Peter knelt uh, at the feet of Jesus 
And Jesus, actually Jesus said to Peter, follow me and from now on you'll catch fish. The others also, although it appears to me Jesus didn't address them, he addressed Peter, but it touched them the same way that it touched Peter. So they also left everything and along with Peter, they followed Jesus. So this is amazing how, um, you know, how God called um, Peter and uh, and not only Peter, but these other three also followed him. But the interesting thing was that how they left everything and followed him. When Jesus walked to that place and asked Peter if he could use his boat, I mean, they were not, uh, at that time, they were not thinking that, okay, he's going to call us and we are going to leave everything to follow him. They were not prepared for that. They were not prepared for this catch of fish, but the catch of fish came. And then Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me and I will do not be afraid. I will make you from now on, just like you have been catching fish in the same way you will catch men. I will make you fishers of men. And they left everything in an instant. They left everything and followed Jesus. And uh, I will tell you, um, uh, you, you will understand this later on. I will explain to you how, uh, why some people just in an instant without thinking they leave everything to to follow Jesus people do it and um, you know and how it happens the dynamics behind it and I will I will explain that to you but anyway the interesting thing here is that uh, they left everything and they followed Jesus and and Peter he he always remembered that Jesus had said from now on you will catch men. So you see that, uh, you know, after the day of Pentecost, the first major miracle was that um, that uh, lame man at the beautiful gate of the temple who was healed. And, you know, the, the all the, uh, the excitement around that, how all those people got excited and, um, and they, uh, they, they ran, they so were excited and there were 3,000 people in the temple and they saw this man who had been lame, he was walking. And then, uh, um, and and they thought it was Peter and uh, John who had done this, and and Peter took that opportunity to preach the gospel. It's interesting. He took every opportunity to preach the gospel, to preach Christ, and he stood up and he said, "You men of Israel," and he said, "Why do you look at us as if we, by our own power or holiness, have made this man to walk?" Uh, he said, "The God of your fathers." The, you know, has, has glorified and exalted his son, Jesus. And he says, and, 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 and his name through faith in his name has made this man whole. And, and then, you know, he, Peter preached the gospel. And he, when he preached the gospel, he threw the, uh, he, he threw the net out. And there were 3,000 people who were saved that day. And then uh, we see on the day of Pentecost, in the next chapter, the Holy Ghost fell uh, uh, you know, and they got, um, uh, I'm sorry, in, that was the chapter before, this was chapter 3, chapter 2, the uh, Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell and everyone gathered to hear what was happening. Some people supposed they were drunk, but Peter stood up, what did he do? He got up and preached Christ. So um, he was living that out. Jesus had said to Peter, Peter, from now on you shall catch men. And Peter Immediately, the, that word, it kind of stayed with him. You are a fisher of men. And so what he did uh, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came. 
he immediately began to preach the gospel and he gave the altar call. And the next thing that happened was that lame man at the beautiful gate of the temple and um, Peter in Acts chapter 3 and he preached the gospel and again all these people were healed uh, and people were saved. Thousands of people were saved. And, and so Peter took every opportunity to preach the gospel, whether it was the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came uh, or whether it was uh, uh, the healing of the lame man in the temple. Then we read about him in the house of Cornelius where again he preached Christ. So everywhere he went, he preached Jesus Christ. And because Jesus had said to him that follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And so uh, you, ha you have to remember that uh, you know, winning souls, that is really the most important thing because here's the thing, here's the thing, let me level with you because you see every man, every woman, every, every human being born on this earth uh, has a lifespan when you're born and when you die. Everybody, I'm speaking to you, I'm alive and I was born and there will come a day when you, when you will hear that Christopher Alam has gone home to be with Jesus and that will be the end of my earthly life. And then when I die, uh, uh, the most important thing will be, did I die with Jesus or did I die without Jesus? Because all those other things, the things people have accomplished, the great things they have done or, uh, you know, the great earthly accomplished uh, accomplishments or how famous they were or how much money they made, all those things will not count for anything. The only thing that will really matter is when a person enters into eternity, did he enter into eternity with or without Jesus? And I'm saying this because in certain societies, people respect uh, they, they they think very highly, oh, you know, he won the gold medal in the Olympics or he wrote so many books or uh, he was so famous and he was such a great politician. He did so much for America or whatever country it is. And uh, But the, really the uh, most important thing is is whether a person lived and died with or without Jesus. And so that is why the most important thing, the most important thing of all, the main thing, the number one thing is that the gospel is preached to sinners. That is the most, that's the, I should say that is the heartbeat of God. That is the number one priority of the church. And so Peter, when Jesus called him, Jesus didn't say to him, Peter, you will build a big church. He didn't say that. He didn't say, Peter, you will build a great church. Or he didn't say, Peter, you will see many miracles. Uh, or, 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 or uh, you know, or Peter, you're going to be a famous preacher. He didn't say all those things. What he said to me, from now on, you will catch men. I will make you a fisher of men. And Peter was not even an, an, an evangelist. I mean, we don't see him as an evangelist. He was an apostle. But every evangelist, every pastor, every teacher, whatever ministry you are, you should be a soul winner at heart. That's the number one thing is winning souls because you live with this awareness of two things that people will either go to hell or to heaven, you know, uh, and, and that you want them to get saved so they can go to heaven and spend eternity with, eternity with Jesus. And the, and the other thing is the words of Jesus must ring in our ears. Follow me. And because I will make you fishers of men. Praise God. So let us all be soul winners. Let us all be preachers of the gospel. So um, tomorrow we will study uh, God's calling on, 
on Matthew, how God called Matthew. So we will look at that, but uh, let us uh, pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for their, uh, your hands upon their lives, Father. I thank you for using them mightily for your glory, for blessing their families. I ask you to continue your blessings upon them, Father, and uh, uh, thank you for your holy word that imparts life and faith into our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, and we'll be back together tomorrow. Bye.